0: It is great to see all of you. Welcome to part two of our In the Zone series. And last weekend, man, if you missed it, you got to go online to nextlevelchurch.com. You can watch the message there or listen to the message there. Because uh, last weekend, we kicked off our series by talking about this idea that so often in our life, it's so difficult to keep God at the center of the bullseye of our life. And throughout this entire week, you guys, we've heard so many people who have been just given so much positive feedback about how that message. was just right on time for them. It just connected to where they were living and how it's so easy for us in life, isn't it, to to let the cares, the pressures, the stresses, the temptations of life push God out of the center of the bullseye of our life. And all of those things want to creep back in and take that place that only God wants to fill. And so last weekend we talked about the personal side of how we live in the zone. Well, this weekend in all of our services, we're going to flip that coin over. And I want us to, to talk about what I would call it more of a macro level to this idea of getting in the zone. And and specifically, I want to talk about getting our church in the zone. How do we get Next Level Church in the zone? And uh, I I don't know, maybe you're like me, but I love after all of our services, being able to walk out to the foyer and stand there and and high-five people and shake hands and, you know, just be able to greet people. And one of the things I love best about Next Level Church, and I always have for over 11 years now has been the, the variety of ages that are represented here at Next Level Church. That I, I love the fact that you, know, you can walk out and stand in our foyer on any given weekend after any of our given services, and, and you'll see you know, people who are in their 70s. You'll see all the way down to you know, kids who are seven weeks old or seven years old or 17 years old. I love the fact that, that there are, there's every generation represented here at Next Level Church, and I want you to know it's always been that way. I think back to our very first service that we ever hosted or we we ever held on Sunday, uh, May the 12th, 2002, 11 years, over 11 years ago now, at the Bell Tower Theaters. And on that very first weekend, of course, you know, we're so scared, we're so concerned, you know, is anybody going to show up? And I remember this couple in their 60s came walking into our church, and when I saw them, I'll be honest with you, as a 26-year-old standing next to my 24-year-old wife, you know, I was like, oh, man. I hope they like our church, but I doubt it. Like, it was one of those, like, right? I don't know. Let me tell you something. That couple still attends our church all these years later. They're still a part of our church. They're in their 70s now. And you know what? They have just been the biggest fans of Next Level Church and such great supporters of my wife and I. And just, we would not be who we are today if it weren't for the older generations like that getting what getting the vision of next level church and and that's what i want to talk about this weekend how do we get in the zone as a church, and and not just as a church, but honestly, I believe that what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes during our time together this weekend has to do not just with the local church like Next Level, but it has to do with our city, it has to do with the region of Southwest Florida, and the businesses, and the families, the school systems, Uh, it has to do with our state, our nation, and honestly, our world, that I believe, and here's kind of the big idea of our weekend together, is this, I believe, that we will never become everything God wants us to become, and we'll speak specifically as a church, unless every generation is working together. In unity and in unison. Now, let me kind of give us a quick breakdown. And, and I'm going to give us a little backflow of information here. And, and I'm telling you, this thing's going to pick up in about 94 seconds. So stay with me here. Ready? Okay, so basically, there are about five generations on the earth today. There's the builder generation or the, the World War II generation. Tom Brokaw labeled them the greatest generation. And here's what's happening. Our world today is one of the, in one of the greatest transition seasons that our world has known in perhaps several hundred years. So, because one generation is transitioning to the next, the builders are continuing to get older, and the baby boomers are now graduating or or retiring off the scene in our nation, in our culture today. So, baby boomers, their spinning habits are changing, uh, their work habits are changing, their commutes are changing. So, everything about our culture is changing because the baby boomers are retiring, which means generation X, which is the generation that I'm on the tail end of. We are now firmly in place as the primary, you know, income generation generating generation, We're the, we've stepped into leadership, if you will, in our nation in a great, great way and in the local church in terms of that. Okay, so then you've got, so you've got the builders, you've got the boomers, generation X, and then the generation coming up behind us is what's being called the millennial generation. And the millennial generation is making their presence known in our world today in some very inventive and creative ways. And so they're emerging with some of the most innovative business ideas and not-for-profit concepts. And the millennials are emerging on the scene. And then that doesn't even mention the fifth one, which is really, which would be my kids, kind of the 15 and unders, if you will, who uh, kind of don't have a label yet, and it's interesting because if I'm Generation X and the millennials are known as, some people call them Generation Y, then it's possible that, that our kids would be known as Generation Z, which I think it's kind of funny that we're labeling ourselves out of existence. Hmm. <laughs> some in time people right now are like, yes! Stop it. Don't freak out. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Our world that we're living in today is in one of the biggest generational transitions that we've known, perhaps in the history of our nation, for sure, over the last couple hundred years, and and perhaps in several hundred years globally. This is the biggest transition, and here's the reason why. Because of the advent of technology. Because technology is is accelerating things at such a rapid pace, here's what that means. It means that we're living in a world of transition transition where one transition is passing the baton to the next, to the next, to the next, until, think about it, our kids, the the, uh, the world they're growing up in today, our children will never know a world where you can't talk into a phone and have it talk back to you. Think about that. We're living in a world... Of transition and watch this. I believe our world is at its best in the zone. I believe the body of Christ, the church, Big C church, is at its best when. All of the generations are working together in unison. So how do we do that? What does that look like for a local church like Next Level Church here in Southwest Florida? What does that mean? Well, thankfully, the Bible speaks to this. And so I want us today to look at uh, one of the greatest generational models in all of Scripture. And it's found in the life of two of the most fantastic leaders the Bible has ever known, Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua. And so I would love for uh, you to maybe pull out a Bible or maybe pull out your smartphone that has a Bible app on it. World's changed, hasn't it? Interesting, isn't it? Because uh, we're going to look at a number of different passages starting in the book of Numbers. Now, for those of you who are looking in your bulletin, uh, which is a piece of paper, for those of you who are younger, it's, it's a piece of paper you're handed when you came in. Uh, that's, uh, that's a bulletin. Okay, it, it actually says in there, Exodus chapter 13, that's a typo, that's our bad. It's actually Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to land because here's what I want to do. I want to take two different camera angles on this whole topic. And so I want us to look at three leadership lessons we can learn from Moses and I want us to look at three leadership lessons we can learn from Joshua. Three leadership lessons we can learn from Moses, and three we can learn from Joshua. And so let's go ahead and do that. Three leadership lessons we can learn from Moses. Now, here's what I think. I think that a lot of us who are listening to me this weekend in all of our services are, are, would probably fit into the Moses category. And I don't want to box us in or kind of put an age number on it, but for some of you who are sitting out there going, I don't know, is that me or is that not me? Is that my wife? Is that not my wife? Is that us? It's okay. Uh, let's just, Okay. Okay. Okay, if you're 35 or above, Moses, okay, so I I think this will apply to you, okay, so just go with it, all right? So, and and I'm 38, so we'll go there, all right, so, and Joshua, listen, if you're like, okay, well, am I a Joshua or am I, okay, if you're 40 or below, you're going to be Joshua. Do you see what I did there? I'm 38. I went in both. Boom. Boom. What's up now? I put myself in both categories because I'm an old mentor and I'm a young, awesome leader. Yeah, okay, so, all right. Come on, here's what we're doing. Okay, so we're talking about three leadership lessons that we can learn from Moses and Joshua. Let's begin by talking about uh, Moses. Okay, ready? Here's the first thing I think we can learn from the life and leadership of Moses, and it's this. Number one, Moses believed in the next generation. When we study the life and leadership journey of Moses, we discover that he believed in the next generation. Let me tell us a little of his story. Moses was the guy that God chose to go back and deliver the children of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, from their bondage and slavery in the nation of Egypt. For over 400 years, God's people were slaves in Egypt. And then God spoke to a guy named Moses, and he said, I want you to go back, confront Pharaoh, and lead my people out. And many of us know the story. God parted the Red Sea. It was miraculous. The children of Israel went through on dry ground. As soon as they got to the other side, uh, Pharaoh's army, you, you know, ran into the Red Sea. The water collapsed upon them. And in that moment, God established the children of Israel as a new nation, as his people, as their family. And so uh, as the story continues on through the book of Numbers, Moses and the, the children of Israel trying to figure this whole thing out. And how do we relate to each other? And uh, wh- what does this all mean? And how do we do this? And so here's what we have to understand. They were struggling. They were floundering in that. And so, see, God had not just promised to deliver them from Egypt, but God had promised to deliver them to the promised land. And for for hundreds of years, God had said, listen, one day you'll have a land of your own, a promised land. And so as they get out in the wilderness and they're trying to figure out what it means to be God's people and to be their own nation and how do we do this, they started to get discouraged. And so God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to send some spies into the promised land and bring back a report. And in Numbers chapter 13, that's where we pick up the story. Let's look at it. Verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders, And so then the next 10 or 12 verses, it actually lists the one leader from each of the 12 tribes or main family units of the children of Israel. Moses chose one leader from each and every one of those tribes. Then look at verse 16. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. So it tells us who they were. And then watch this parenthetical statement. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Okay, what's this? Of all of the 12 guys, one leader from each of the 12 tribes, there was one guy that kind of stood out above the rest. And, and Scripture is careful to record and note, hey, don't just pay attention to all 12 of these guys. They weren't all equal. There actually was one guy named Joshua, and he, it, Moses noticed that guy. Moses, Moses believed. Okay, here's, here's what I want us to see. The first leadership lesson that I think we can learn from Moses this weekend is this, Moses believed in the next generation. Okay, God had promised the chil- his children a promised land for centuries. And so when it came to the job, the responsibility of scouting out the land, isn't it interesting that the leaders that Moses chose were not leaders his own age? Moses chose leaders from the next generation. And I think that tells us something. Moses understood that in order for his people to become everything God wanted them to become, he must model this belief in the next generation. Moses didn't look at those leaders who were younger than him and go, well, you know, you guys are just servants. Well, you guys are just, you know, nobodies, and you have to earn your stripes. And you, no, no, no. When Moses looked at the next generation, you know what he saw? He saw leaders who were capable enough, who were smart enough, who were gifted enough, who were strong enough, who were talented enough. Moses believed in the next generation. And church, I want to challenge us. Listen, I believe there are so many of us who are listening to me talk this weekend, and we are Moseses. And maybe you've been tempted to look across your workplace or your neighborhood or your family and look or this church even and, and see these young faces and go, well, you know you just have to you just have to pay your dues and you just have to well no no listen, what if we could become the kind of church that believes in the next generation? What if we could be the kind of leaders who look on and go, "I believe in you, I can see your potential. You have so much to offer." And can I just say this? Listen, and again, I'll put myself in the Moses category for sure. I want you to know something. The next generation is desperate for the generation above them to believe in them. They're desperate for it. They're longing for us to believe in them. And here's what I know. I know that this isn't always easy. Listen, listen. I look on at at some of the next generation around here, and I don't get it. I don't get your skinny jeans. (laughs) I I don't get your tank tops that you're wearing. Put some clothes on. I don't get it. I don't understand. Okay, I don't know. Listen, I don't even understand like you want to text more than you want to talk. And... And then there's this whole like emoticon thing or emojis or whatever they're called. Okay, so now they don't even want to use words when they text. They want to use pictures. I don't get it. Okay, but watch this. Moses is listen, just because we don't understand them doesn't mean we can't believe in them. Okay, come on. Just because we don't understand everything about the next generation, their ways and means and their, you know, their perspectives, just because we don't understand doesn't mean we're not responsible to believe in them. Moses believed in the next generation. Here's the second leadership lesson we can learn from Moses, and that's this. He brought along the next generation. He brought him along with him. When the 12 spies come back, 10 of those spies end up giving the people of God a negative report. But there were two spies that came back, Caleb and a guy named Joshua who came back and said, you know what, don't listen to that negative report. Here's a positive report. Man, we think we could win. We think we can take them. The promised land is better than anything we can imagine. And from this moment on in Scripture, very seldom do we ever see Moses' name mentioned without Joshua's name right next to it. Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua. They were always together from this moment on for the next several decades. Everywhere Moses went, every significant event that happened in the life of Moses and in his leadership, Joshua was right there next to him. Moses brought along the next generation with him. And listen, here's what I want us to understand. The way the next generation is going to learn is when we, the Moses generation, make a concerted effort That whatever we're thinking about, whatever we're dreaming about, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're going through, bring them along. Let them in. Include them into the conversation. That's the only way they're going to learn. See, and I recognize that many of us work in a business culture and a business system that says just the opposite. That our world's business system says, hey, listen, you let those young punks you know, fend for themselves and you keep your cards close to your chest. Okay, what if we didn't do that? What if instead of shutting the door and pushing them out, what if instead we said, hey, come on, come with me? I know it's true in my leadership. Man, I'm always looking around at my team going, hey, Come with me. Come on. When I, when I travel and my wife's not with me, I'll take one of the other guys on our team. And I'm like, come on, man. And we'll just be sitting next to each other on the airplane and hanging out in the hotel and just walking around. And I'm just telling them, every, I'm just teaching them every little thing that I'm thinking about. And then I'm working on, we were shooting videos in this room a couple of months ago. And I came in, I had a short window of time, and I went up and I, I shot my video. And as soon as I was done, there were four or five of our team standing there waiting to shoot their video next. And I looked at those, as soon as I walked up, I stood right down here with a couple of the guys. And I said, hey, real quick, come here. Three things I think about when I shoot videos like that. Boom, boom, boom. And I told him what it was. See, here's it. I had to go to like NBC Studios, like the morning show at 5 a.m. to learn that stuff several years ago. Listen, it's better if you learn it later in the day. I'm just telling you. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, leaders. Think about it. Come on, Moseses. What opportunities can we bring them along? Maybe it's our kids or our grandkids. Maybe it's another married couple, and you're looking on, and you're thinking, man, they sure could. I'd love to speak into that. Do it. Do it. I believe this is how we get in the zone. I believe this is how we change the world. Moses brought along the next generation. Here's a great filter question that I have used since literally day one of Next Level Church. Okay, so some of you are thinking, yeah, but uh, what would I tell them or how? Would, okay, here's a great filter question. Ready? If they had to sit in my chair and do my job seven years from now, what would they need to know? If they had to do this someday, what I'm doing, if they had to think about this scenario, if they had to problem solve on this particular problem a few years down the road, what would I want them to know about how I'm thinking about this issue right now? And since, literally since day one, that has affected the way I have thought about leadership development across this organization for 11 and a half years now. Because every conversation I'm in, I go, if one day they had to sit in this chair, not that I'm going anywhere, are you kidding? It's just getting good. <laughs> oh, we ain't going anywhere. No, we're having way too much fun. Okay. But here's the point. Someday they might sit in a similar chair. Someday they might sit in this chair somewhere else. Someday they might lead a department like I had to lead a department. And so what would they need to know if they were sitting in this chair doing this job? When we put that filter on, it completely shifts the conversations we have with those around us, be it in our families, be it in our workplaces, here in the church, in our connection groups, across the ministry departments of our church. Everything changes Moses' when we take on that idea, that thought pattern. Here's the third thing we learned from Moses. Number three, he encouraged the next generation. He believed in them, he brought them along, and he encouraged them. When you fast forward to near the end of Moses' life, you discover that Moses and his entire generation were not going to be permitted by God to enter the promised land. Because of their bad attitude and some other things, their unbelief, God was like, no, you guys don't get to go in. But Joshua and his generation, they do. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we find this really incredible exchange between Moses and Joshua right on the edge of this leadership transition. Verse 7 of Deuteronomy 31, look, it says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Verse 8, The Lord himself goes before you, Joshua, and the Lord himself will be with you, Joshua. you got to know that. Joshua, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So listen, young generation, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses understood that he was never going to get into the promised land, but he did know that Joshua would, and he was excited about that. Moses understood that Joshua and his generation would carry the baton further than Moses and his generation would ever be able to. And instead of looking down on him, instead of holding that against him, Moses decided to spin it as a positive and say, hey, I'm excited for you. And listen, if you're a part of the Joshua generation, and you're a part of Next Level Church, I want you to know something. You're in a place where we, the Moses generation, believe in you. We're with you. We're behind you. Listen, I want you to know something. I believe in you. What could it look like if we, Next Level Church, could become this kind of church where there's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of Moseses who take on this mindset, who say, we believe in the next generation, and we're going to bring you along and include you in, and then we're going to encourage the daylights out of you because your generation has the power to go further than our generation ever can. What could a church look like? What kind of impact could a church like that have, not just on Southwest Florida, but on our state, on our nation, and on our world? I don't know about you, but I dream of being a part of a church like that. So three lessons we can learn from Moses. Now, of course, I recognize that some of us who are kind of that Moses, you know, generation, you're going, all right, brother, that's great, and I get it all, and I'm listening, I'm taking notes, but what do you got for them? Come on, give it to the young ones, will you? Okay, let's do that. So three lessons we learned from Moses. Let's flip it over now. Three lessons we learned from Joshua. Three leadership lessons for Joshua. And so if you're in that Joshua generation, come on, 40 and unders, here you go. Number one, notice about Joshua that he served the previous generation. Joshua served the previous generation. Okay, listen, it's easy to look at Joshua's life and see a guy who um, had a book of the Bible named after him, was an incredible warrior, was an incredible leader, was like hero status. Like, okay, Joshua, it's easy to look on at Joshua's life and be like, amazing. Like, it's easy for us to look that way. But here's what we have to understand. When we study the life of Joshua, here's the most interesting thing. You know what it says most every time in Scripture? Joshua, son of Nun, servant of Moses. It doesn't say... Joshua, baller. <laughs> Never mind Moses'. <laughs> I was trying so hard to stay serious. I can't do it. I am young. Okay. Joshua, what his family was, who he was. Joshua, son of none servant of Moses. More than being a guy with a book of the Bible named after him. More than being an incredible warrior, an incredible leader, a hero of the faith. More than all of that, Joshua was a servant. And listen, young generation, if I could say anything to you, I would say this, before we can ever lead, we first have to learn to serve Plain and simple, before we can ever lead anything, we have to learn to serve. And and young generation, listen, if there is any danger that I see for your generation, it will be that you want what the generation before you had in half the time and with half the effort. We have to be aware of that. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But listen, young leaders, don't worry. Your time will come sooner than you think. So Joshua's listen, Stay patient. Stay faithful. Keep your heart right. And keep serving the leaders around you. And watch what God will do. Joshua served the previous generation. Number two thing I think we can learn from Joshua is he honored the previous generation. He didn't just serve Moses' generation. He honored The previous generation. When Moses moves off the scene in Joshua chapter 1, he dies. And Joshua takes the reins. For the first time, Joshua is now addressing the the children of Israel as their leader, as the leader. Moses is gone. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, we find this interesting thing happen. Look at this. This is Joshua speaking. It says, remember the command that Moses... The servant of the Lord gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Verse 14, Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, he continues on. But all of your, your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. In other words, he's saying, Listen, you young guys who are all strong and, and awesome and great warriors, okay, listen, don't forget about the previous generation. Help them to get into the land too. Help them to establish it. Help reach back. Don't just let it be all about you. He continues on. Verse 15, you are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Did you notice how many times Joshua said the phrase, Moses, 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 Moses. Joshua honored the previous generation in his life. And here's what I would say to the Joshuas listening to me this weekend honor is an attitude of the heart. It's not just lip service, it's not just outward. Honor, in its purest form, is an attitude of the heart. Honor is all about respect, to highly esteem, to prefer another above yourself. That's what it means to honor young Joshuas. That's what it means. And young generation, listen, when we get this right, I want you to know God will open incredible doors for us. Show me a young leader who understands honor, and I'll show you a a young leader that I want to empower. Man, when you look across the staff of Next Level Church, first of all, they're getting younger and younger, which is kind of freaking me out a little bit, but I like it. (laughs) But here's, here's what you'll notice. Every single leader on staff at Next Level Church has an incredible servant's heart and a heart of honor for the house. It's incredible. You you will not find one who doesn't have an incredible servant's heart who says, you know what, whatever we got to do, we'll do it. Whatever's necessary, we'll make it happen. And honors the vision that God's given us here at Next Level Church. Listen, show me a young leader who understands this honor thing, and I'll show you a leader that God is going to use in a great way. So, young Joshuas, let me challenge us just for a second. When it comes to you, how's it going? How's your heart, your attitude of honor? Now, of course, it might be easy for us to think about a setting like this in church or maybe our ministry team or our, you know, connection group that we're involved in, whatever, and go, yeah, dude, I got it. Okay, let me me transpose it for a second. What about your workplace? What about your boss? Yes, the one that gossips behind your back, the one that makes it harder on you because she knows or he knows you're a Christian, that boss, the one that tightens the screws on you, it holds you to a different standard than everybody else. Okay, see, honor's not honor if it's easy. Honor's only honor. Tests are only tests when they're hard. How are we doing at keeping our heart right before the Lord and, and, and serving those leaders that God's placed in our life for this season with a heart of honor? How are we doing at that, young Joshua? How are we doing at the honor thing? See, there's much we can learn from the leadership lessons of Moses and Joshua, these generations working together in unison. The third thing we learn from Joshua in his leadership, and this is an interesting one to me, is Joshua didn't raise up the next generation. When you study the life and leadership journey of Joshua, what you discover is this is actually where he dropped the ball. with, With Moses, it was Moses and Joshua, Moses and Joshua, Moses and Joshua, Moses and Joshua, Moses and Joshua. With Joshua, it was just Joshua. If Joshua missed anything in his leadership of God's people, he missed reaching back to the next generation and bringing them along like Moses had done with him. So, young Joshua, if I could say anything to us in all of our services this weekend, and I know there are hundreds and hundreds, maybe over, over a thousand of you listening this weekend. I would challenge you, listen, in all of your striving, and all of your dreaming, and all of your getting, and all of and all of your chasing and, and, and striving and climbing, which is good. The Bible says that your young men will dream dreams. We're supposed to do that. But listen, if I could encourage you with anything, I would encourage you, listen, in all of your chasing and all of your dreaming and all of your striving, don't forget to look back. Even as a young person, look back. Do you realize that every weekend between our five services, there are over 400 elementary age students on the property here at Next Level Church? What a tremendous opportunity to give back. There are over 100 middle schoolers in our middle school environments between five services. Every Wednesday night, our, middle sc- or our, our student ministry, high school and middle school, take over this entire building and facility. Some people ask me, are you ever going to do a midweek service? No, because the teenagers run this place. They just, like it's awesome. There are over 300 students every Wednesday night. Listen, some of the most amazing stories we hear at Next Level Church are of people or couples who are leading a connection group it's impacting others who are a generation behind them or other married couples who are a generation younger than them. Or, then you hear stories of those who are leading connection groups that impact singles or high school students. And then you hear stories of high school students who serve every week in our middle school environments or in our elementary age kids ministry environments. Those are some of the greatest stories we have. You know why? Because I believe there is a special blessing from God on a church that gets this right. In Next Level Church, can I just encourage you and challenge you this weekend? Listen, I believe in the coming months and years ahead, the eyes of the nation across the body of Christ and in the business world and others are going to begin looking at Next Level Church and saying, wow, look at what God's doing there. What's going on? How's all of that happening? And can I tell you, I believe that one of the things that you and I are going to be given the privilege to model in the coming years to our nation and to our world is this all generations thing. This multi-generation thing where the Moseses are cheering on the Joshuas. And the Joshuas are serving and honoring the Moseses around them. So here's the challenge. If you find yourself in more of that Moses category, how's it going? Who are you believing in, in your home, in your family, in your school, in your workplace, in our church? Who are you bringing along? Who are you encouraging? Joshua's, who are you serving? How are you doing at honoring? What are you doing, even at a young age? to reach back and pour what you're learning into someone else I believe when we do those things we become a church that's in the zone let's pray together Father thank you that across this church all weekend long you have assembled thousands of Moses's and Joshua's and God it gives me chills to think of what you are capable of doing with a group of people like us who take this kind of challenge seriously So, Father, I pray right now for every Moses who's listening to this talk today. I pray, God, you give us the courage to view the next generation through different eyes. God, we may not understand all of their ways and means, but it doesn't mean we can't believe in them. So, Father, I pray that a supernatural belief would begin to rise up in the hearts of Moses' by the hundreds, by the thousands. And then, Father, I pray for every Joshua who's listening this weekend as well. I pray that just like The Joshua in the Bible, that strength and courage and an absence of fear and an overwhelming presence of faith would begin to rise in their heart. God, I believe the Joshua's who are in this church have the power to change the world. I believe that in the decades ahead, God, we're going to see the Joshua's of this church rise up and go forth with creative business ideas, creative nonprofit ideas, creative ministry ideas, creative NGOs, creative opportunities, God, that will literally tackle some of the hardest issues that our planet is facing today. God, I pray for government leaders and business leaders and education leaders to rise up among the Joshua's of this church in the days ahead. God, may they be released to impact our world like you know they can. And God, may it be said of Next Level Church in Southwest Florida that that is a group of people who understands the blessing that comes when all generations work together in unison. God, we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone who's here and everyone of our services who agreed said,